Amen. This is fun. This is great. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Well, um, I am so excited to be with you, and um, I wanted to share just a brief um, word with you. I want to tell you a story. Uh, um, my wife and I were talking um, to our uh, to my wife's parents, my uh, mother and father-in-law, and uh, my, my father-in-law has a really interesting story. You know, he's had a, a successful life, and, and now he's retired. Uh, but now that he's retired, he's actually started another business with, uh, you know, a, a few of his um, partners. And um, they own some commercial property, and uh, he actually owns this lot, and they're getting ready to build an industrial building on this lot. And I was talking to him about this. You know, he's done a lot of different things in his life. And I said, you know, have you ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever, you know, built an industrial building? Have you ever built anything like this? And, and he said, no, and I'm really excited about it. Because I've never done it before, and, and now I get to learn something new. And I thought, you know, like, I, I want to be like that, right? Like, I, I want to be almost 70 and learn something new. And, and I was thinking a lot about that. You know, like, I don't want to peak at 32, right? Like, I, I want to peak at 70. I want to peak at 80. I, I, I want the, the pinnacle of my life to be towards the end, not at the beginning, and, and that's, whenever, I, whenever I've learned something, it's simply this, that, that, that God is not done with you. God is not done with, with you. you. You are not done growing yet. If you are breathing, you are still growing. That, that regardless of where you find yourself in life, God is not done with you. And, you know, you... you uh, you may be one of those people that says, you know what, like, I'm, I'm stubborn, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm not changing, this is the way I am, I'm, I'm done doing this. And I want to tell you that God is not done with you. You're not done growing. You know, you, you may be in, in the middle of this, this pandemic. You say, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't see the end of this. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what my kids going back to school is going to look like. I don't know how we're going to get through this next, you know, nine weeks, let alone the, the rest of this school year. You, you, you may say, you know, what? I, I've lost a job. Due to this pandemic, I, I can't find work now. I keep hunting and searching, but I can't find anything that's really going to fit that, that need that I have for me and my family. You may say, you know what, like, I'm done with church. May I say, you know, like I, I've known enough church people to not want to go to church again. I want to let you know wherever you find yourself, whatever state you're in this morning, whether happy or broken, I want to let you know that God is not done with you. You know, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about the book of Daniel. And, um, and this morning, we come to Daniel 5. The, the book of Daniel is an interesting book, and, and it's set in a time called the Babylonian exile, a time at which God's people were not in their homeland. In fact, they were cast far off. They were, they were captured. But before this ever happened, they had prophets, right, who, who were coming to the people of Israel, and they were saying, hey, heads up, if you keep acting this way, things are not going to turn out good. These prophets say, hey, you haven't followed God's law. God, God gave us all of these rules and restrictions, and if you don't follow them, 
God won't protect us and these other nations will come in and conquer us. And, and, and so what we see throughout the prophets is that one by one, all of the Ten Commandments and even then on, the some 300 laws that, that they had been given, they broke almost every single one of them. And so they were captured. Now maybe, maybe God was acting immediately. God, God was, ha- had God's hand immediately in the situation of, of God actively causing them to be captured by the Babylonians. Or maybe the people were divided. Maybe them practicing idolatry, them eating unclean food, doing all of these things was a symptom of the fact that they were not a united people. And if they were not united in these laws, how could they ever stand united against an opposing force? And so they were captured. They, the, the God's people were taken into Babylon. And what I believe is that regardless of the cause, regardless of why they were there in Babylon, God used this time, God used this exile to refine God's people. God used this as an opportunity to change the hearts and the minds of God's people there. And what we see is that God not only used God's people, the nation of Israel, God not only used them in Babylon, God uses foreign kings. And there's this, this passage, that, this thing that happens. In Daniel 5, we meet a new king, right? We see a series of just new kings come in throughout the book of Daniel. And there's a new king, his name is Belshazzar, right? And, and you, you won't find that on the grain of rice when you go to the convenience store, you know? But, but Belshazzar was there and... And uh, he's the new king, and, and, and he throws this lavish party, and he says, hey, go get me the goblets that we, that we stole from the temple. I want to drink out of those. And so th- they do. They bring them there, and they start to drink out of them, and then they see this writing on the wall. Th- this hand appears. This very mysterious act occurs, and, and, and all the, the entire party has hushed now, and, and Belshazzar is panicked. And so he, he calls in all of these you know, diviners, these magicians, and says, hey, can you read this for me? And they say, we, we can't, we don't know what it means. And Belshazzar's wife said, well, there's this, there's, there's this one Daniel that your, your father used. Why don't you go grab him? And so Daniel comes. And, and when Daniel approaches Belshazzar, Belshazzar promises him the world. Right? It says, hey, I'll give you anything you want. I'll give you purple linens, this thing that was associated with royalty. I'll give you gold. I'll put a ring on your finger. I'll make you third in command in my kingdom. I'll give you anything you want if you can do this for me, if you can interpret these words, these writings on the wall for me. And listen to what Daniel says in in chapter 5. It starts in verse 17. Daniel answered, in the presence of the king, let your gifts be for yourself. Or give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and let him know the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, kingship, greatness, glory, and majesty. Now this passage is profound on its own. But Daniel is in captivity. Daniel is staring at his captor and saying, keep your gifts for yourself. And and he goes beyond that and says, the only reason that you have any power, 
is that God gave it to you. You see, the nation of Israel was divided. They were a people who could not follow any single law. We come to Daniel in captivity, far from his homeland, scattered from his people, with no place to call his own, no place to worship his God. And here he has the courage to stand in front of the most powerful man in his known world. And he says, keep your gifts. And the only reason that you have any strength is because my God gave it to you. I believe God caused a change in Daniel on that day. Because here's what we know, friends, is that God uses change to change us. God uses change to change us, that in the midst of this transition, and, and I don't know how this transition came about, Maybe there's some sense of God actively causing it, or maybe it's a consequence of our own actions. But regardless, I believe that God is using this as an opportunity to change us. Friends, whatever you're going through today, I want you to know that God is not done with you. I don't know what's going on in your home right now. But whatever it is, I want you to know that God is not done with you. And so today, I, I want you to pray this prayer. Uh, it sounds like this, that, that you would simply ask this, God, how will this change change me? Let's leave this up here for just a minute, Jackie. I just, God, how will this change change me? That, that maybe this is your opportunity, that maybe today is your opportunity to start the transformation that you've been waiting in your life. Maybe, may, maybe that you're, maybe this job transition in your life is an opportunity to find the right thing. And the right thing may not be better pay. The right thing may mean that you have to downsize your house, but friend, you will be content Maybe the change that God is inviting you to make is in your marriage. You've said, we've been able to ignore the problems that we've had for a long time because we haven't had to be in the same house, and now we are in it. Now, now we see each other. Now we are there, and, and it seems like we can't ignore the things that we've ignored in the past. Maybe God is inviting you to counseling and saying, now is the opportunity to fix that thing so that when this is over, your relationship will be stronger than it's ever been. If that's the case for you, I invite you just to reach out and just, just grab the hand of your spouse right now. Maybe sitting on the couch or, or maybe they're in another room. I just invite you to go and just... Or maybe you've never had a church home. Or not one in a long time. You say, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. I want to let you know that we are, we are here. We are here 
for you. Like one of the sole purposes we are here is, is to seek after people who need community. I want to let you know that the entire reason we do this is for you. Will you join me now in just a, in just a brief prayer? Let us pray. God, how will this change? Change me. Amen. Somewhere I really do believe 
There's a heaven somewhere. Andy, thank you. Seriously, that was um, just what personally for me I needed this morning. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. You guys ready? Okay. This is one of those this morning. I haven't done this song in a while. This is one of the first songs that I sang when I was a little girl. I heard a lady when I was a kid named Mahia Jackson. My mom would play her CDs, and I thought, man, I don't want to just sing a song like that. I want to feel a song like that. Because they tell us that music is what your feelings sound like. And I'm like, oh, I want to take a song like that, and I want to feel it that way, where the power of God moves and knowing that the words that you are singing are true. They're not fiction. They're not made up, and they're not just pretty. But they're real. And a song like this, he's real, any pastor? He's real. Mm. Now there are some things, and this is true right here, that I may not know, no. <laughs> and there are some places you and I, we can't go. But I am sure, I'm sure there's one thing, and that's my God is real, for I can feel Him deep within. Yes, and my God is real, He's very real in my soul. For he has washed and made me whole He's love for me It's like pure gold And my God is real For I can feel him in my soul I cannot tell just how you felt when my Jesus he took your sin and he threw it out that door. Mm, but since that day, For 
do it. I can't do it just like her, but I like what she would do. She would go, I can feel it. I can feel it. Oh, yes, I can feel it. are in for a treat because we've got Madaku Chinwa going to come up here and do an old school song. How far can we get you, brother? Monica, do you remember doing this one years ago? I do. This is a, um, a fun song we used to listen to as children. I think we were living in Las Vegas, Nevada, where there was gospel music throughout the house at all times, at all times. And it was a fun song to chime in on. I'm going to sing a few of the lyrics, and we're going to have a little fun with it. There you go. <laughs> Come on, brother. Went like this. It's me, it's me, oh, Lord. Standing in need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of what I think that should say, right? It's me again, oh Lord. Another week, 
another week of how do I figure out how to live in a new normal, right? That's been our phrase for what we thought would be two months, then three months, then four months, and now we're headed into what, six? And I've been thinking, Andy and I met this week talking through how God begins to really grow us in transition and what does that mean? And the book of Daniel happens to be one of my favorite books, but it's also one of the hardest for me because I feel like the book of Daniel challenges me in who I am, challenges me in my faith and when I get lazy in that journey and I get lazy in my thought process. And then I begin to think, well, I learned that. I read that. I know that. I've even said that. I've even sung about that. And I forget to really dive deeper into what the meaning of that is. For this story that Andy told us a minute ago, you have to understand this isn't the first time that Daniel's had to come before a king. This is the second that we know of that the same thing happened. The king goes cray cray because he's seen something that he doesn't understand. He sees a hand on the wall and I get that might make anybody go a little crazy. And all of a sudden, what do they do again? Just like his father, he says, well, let's call in Daniel. Now, you have to understand, by this time, Daniel's been in captivity a long time. A long time. But Daniel does what Daniel does, and he shows up. And once again, just like we talked about last week, he prays, he stops the moment, and he says, this isn't about me, this is about my God. And nothing else is going to matter in this room. And no one else can tell you what that was. Only God can reveal. Those words have been repeated. And if you feel like you've heard this before, you have. Because that was in chapter 3. That was in chapter 2. That was in chapter 1. Daniel has said this. Hold on. No one else can do this but my God. Guys, that's still true today. No one else can answer the questions. There's not a politician. There's not a pastor. There's not a person in the city council. There is not a person on this planet that can answer the questions that we all have right now. And some of us even feel like maybe we are that king and we're going a little cray-cray. Maybe some of you already were and this just sent you over the edge. But what I love about the story of Daniel is Daniel is changed. But Daniel is still Daniel, the same Daniel that served the God in chapter 1 when he said, listen, you eat and drink what you want to, but I'm going to do this and let's see who comes out healthier. Then we get into chapter 2 and he has to go in once again and reveal the dream because Nebuchadnezzar's gone crazy. Then we get to chapter 3, and they leave Daniel alone for a hot minute because they bring in the three Hebrew children, and because they won't bow down to the God, what do they do? They throw him in the fiery furnace, but then God shows up again, and there's a fourth man. Then we get to the verse in the chapter where the sun, and I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because the sun's going crazy. And you would think, by this point in time, is many times if they have brought glory to Daniel's God or the Hebrew children's God, you think they would have gotten it by now. 
And this is what I tell myself. You would think, Dee, you would have gotten it by now. That the same God that moved in that place for Daniel, that same God that was the fourth man walking around in the fiery furnace, the same God that was standing. Because here's the part about that story. The message that Daniel begins once again to give isn't a pretty story. When he reveals the writing on the wall, it's not pretty. What he has to tell him, he's basically saying, your kingdom is coming to an end. I don't want to stand in front of a king that's crazy like that and tell him, hey, look, your days are numbered. But he was so crazy and he was so obsessed with trying to figure out what he just saw that when when Daniel answers and Daniel begins to give him the answer, he says, hey, let's just make him ahead of everything. Let's just give him everything I've got. Because he got an answer. It's the same thing, guys. We are in the same place where we're asking the same questions over and over. And all of us want a period at the end of this sentence right now. We all want this to be over. We are tired of the comma. We are tired of the next paragraph. We are tired of reading. And we are tired of watching the news to get the same comma over and over and over. And we just want a period at the end of the sentence. And we all feel like if there's a period at the end of the sentence, then we can move on. We can go to the next chapter. But it's in those places where God moves. Where God speaks. Where God says, stop. Look. Listen. For I am moving. It doesn't look like the way you want it to look. But that doesn't mean I'm not moving. For in transition, I am growing you. You are becoming more. You are learning more. The same God, the same God that's brought us here today. One of the things that really hit me, Andy, is that I've been looking for a miracle, but the miracle is already happening. For the miracle isn't in the answer that God will bring, for the miracle is in the fact that God has already brought the miracle. That's me and you. We are here today. And there's many of us watching today. There's many of us standing here today. You are the miracle. So we sit there and we wait on God. And God is like, what you talking about? I've already done it. I've done it in you. I've done it in the circumstances. But you have to see it. And unfortunately, we are a people that we have to see it to believe it. Just like when we saw the writing on the wall, we needed to understand what we saw. But God says, I've already done the miracle. I'm in the midst of the miracle. And you are a part of the miracle. For in that transition, we grow. In that transition, we become more and more the purpose that God created us to be. For in that transition, Daniel hadn't seen Judah yet. Daniel's much older. Daniel is still in Babylon in captivity. But it's the beginning. 
It's the beginning for Daniel to be able to move, to be out of captivity. Are you ready? Sometimes quit looking for that period at the end of the sentence and begin to realize that the way the Holy Spirit works sometimes is dot, dot, dot. Because I'm not done yet. I'll put a period at the end of the sentence when I'm done. But I am moving, and I've never let go of you, and I will never let go of you. For I am moving in this. It just may not look like the way you want it to. But I am moving. I am moving. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. That you're already moving and miracles are already taking place. Because God, the miracles you created are us. Many of us shouldn't even be standing here today, but God, you have done miracles over and over again, and here we stand. And there are miracles still to come. For you're a God that you have heard our cry. You've heard our plea. But God, let us find the joy. Let us find the peace. Because where you are, Where you are, there is peace, there is comfort, there is love, and there is no fear. Even in that fiery furnace, even when our mind is playing tricks, God, let us be a Daniel that stands and knows that you are still the same God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.